Welcome to Conversations, a podcast by Christ Presbyterian Church of Auburn, where we get to sit down and have a conversation with our pastor, Eric Zellner, and learn how God's Word applies to our lives. Welcome back to Conversations. We're so glad that you are listening today. I'm your host, Will Levant. Uh, with me is uh, my pastor, Eric Zellner, uh, pastor of Christ Presbyterian Church of Auburn. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you, Will? I'm doing great. Um, it's been a great day. Um, it's been a slow day, which has been amazing. Some time to get ready for this podcast. Yes, Thank sir. You. Yes, sir. Um, so for the people listening, we are continuing our series on false gospels. More specifically, false gospels we, we commonly see and come across in Auburn. Um, last time we went over the My Christian Experience is My Salvation Gospel. So if you haven't yet to listen to that, would really encourage you guys to go listen to that first before continuing. Um, and then before that, we listen to the uh, Just Be Good and Be Saved Gospel. Um, today's uh, false gospel that we're going to be hitting on that we've commonly seen in Auburn, I've commonly seen it not only in Greek life, but also just in general, is the I'm a Christian, but I'll worry about holiness later mm-hmm. false gospel. Pastor Eric, can you elaborate more on this false gospel? Yeah, I think that's it's certainly pervasive, isn't it? There's a presumption. It kind of connects with where we were last week. You know, the presumption that I've I've had some experience, or I just generally think well of myself, and so up in the South, people just presume if I feel well of myself and I think I'm a fairly good guy, and maybe even I. Uh, I love God and country, then, you know, that makes me a Christian. At some point uh, down the road, then uh, maybe maybe I'll transition to making uh, my faith something that's more serious. Uh, I think it's a pervasive thought, um, and it begins from the presumption I'm a Christian, and then it jumps to the presumption that I'm actually not ready to bow the knee to Christ, um, so I'll have to deal with that later on. Uh, so how I mean I guess I'd be curious to know as a college student uh, now a grad student how have you seen that around Auburn? Yeah, um, I've seen it in a couple ways. I kind of would call it um, twofold almost. Mm-hmm. You kind of see this. Uh, plenty of Bible studies were or personal meetings I've had with guys where all, a lot a lot of times I'll get the look. I'm fine. I'm from the South. I grew mm-hmm. up in church. Mm-hmm. I'm a Christian. Yeah. But right now, right now is my time to just have my own fun or um, hmm. or a, a word that you kind of use as we were preparing, sow my wild oats. Yeah. Um, hmm. But later, later is when I will strive for holiness or later is when I'll actually, when I settle down, later is when I'll figure it out. Settle down. Yeah. That's the, that's the phrase. That's yeah. exactly right. And so I kind of see like a twofold meaning of that. Mm-hmm. One, these guys are not only saying that there is a tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That they will be here tomorrow. That they will have the ability tomorrow to yeah. to come to this understanding. Mm. Um, and then two, that they'll have the want to come to this understanding. That mm. they're not going to be so tied down in sin um, that in twenty years they can finally just put it off. They can finally resist yeah. it. They can finally get rid of it. Well, I think those are as we were preparing this podcast. I would want our listeners to know we're gonna we're gonna draw some important. Uh, quotations from J.C. Ryle and even use some of his work uh, to speak into this conceptually. Ryle and uh, Spurgeon both wrote books uh, that were to what you would call their students. Um, And in both those books, they address uh, 
some of these kinds of thoughts, Ryle very specifically on this uh, issue. And so uh, I always like to give away credit. We're going to use a lot of passages from the Scripture to explain um, what what I would just simply say is a fact. It's an answer that must be made regarding this particular false gospel. And then after that, I, I, I think we'll transition to the two points that you just made, and that is uh, wa- these are fair warnings that need to be taken um, at any age. So we'll we'll do that. Um, do you have anything else before I transition? No, okay. that's perfect. All right, let's let's deal with a couple of passages of scripture. Right, if the if the if the false gospel that we're dealing with is I'm a Christian, but I'm going to get to my holiness later. We need to begin by saying that actually doesn't have any biblical warrant. That might be what you <laughs> what you would like to do, but it's not actually biblically. Um, it's certainly not prescribed, but also the Bible doesn't know of such a thing, right? Second um, Corinthians five seventeen says, "If any man is in Christ, then he's a new creation. The old has passed away." the new has come, meaning that there is a death to sin and there's a new life that we are uh, that we are growing into. But it's important, I think, to think through the Apostle Paul. You can almost trace this through every single one of his letters. Uh, in all of them, there's a point at which he is explaining the gospel uh, and explaining what you, you and I would call justification. We've been saved. And then he's going to make a transition point to say, basically, since you've been saved, therefore, uh, and it's the therefore that is the part of this gospel that we want to strike, and that is, therefore, I am not left as Christ found me. I'm actually to be transformed. Um, so when we when we look at this, there's a couple of passages that uh, struck me. You remember, uh, of course, when uh, well, we, you and I were talking offline about. Uh, Jesus simply saying, "If you love me, keep my commandments." Um, Jesus is looking at his at his disciples, the people who are walking with him in John fourteen fifteen, and he says he makes that statement, but he says it in the context also of encouragement. So we might, you know, you, I'm sure that va- that verse has been preached in such a way that people have gone, "Oh yikes!" Well, I think I love Jesus, but I'm not sure I'm keeping his commandments. But the thing that he does right after that is is he he encourages his disciples to simply ask him in prayer for help. He says, if you ask me, I'll give the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will will help grow you in your walk with me. Um, I think that's that's crucial for our understanding. The other, uh, I, I was going to use Colossians as, as somewhat indicative of Paul's letters and the way he speaks about this. When you... Um, when you look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, Paul says, Therefore, as you received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, um, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And, 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 and that point alone that Paul's making is uh, having heard the gospel, that gospel is not a grace for once in the past. It's a grace for every single day so that we arise and and begin to think about, wait a second, I received Christ. How did I receive Christ? By grace. What did Christ intend to do by saving me? He intended to pull me out of the mire that I'd gotten myself into, uh, all kinds of entanglements and sin. So when you transition in Paul to chapter 3, the very first thing he says uh, then is, if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Um, this is this is classic Paul. 
Uh, it's just the way that all of his letters read and all of his um, his discussions go with regards to the gospel. And I think that's the, you know, when we talk about the fact, I'm, I'm just simply saying the fact that the Bible makes to that false gospel is you might like that to be um, what you want to do. There's just no place in the Bible where that is where that's a possibility. Um, we're preaching through Exodus. Uh, we're in the middle of Exodus. It would literally be akin to uh, God saying to his people, uh, I'm going to pull you out of slavery. Come, follow me. And by the way, grab your chains as you come, and I'm going to bring you out to the desert and make sure you're still chained up in the desert. And then I'm going to drag you onto the promised land. Hang on to your chains. Bring them along with you. Right? It's so silly. Uh, if Exodus is a pattern that shows us the way God actually redeems us out of sin, it is throw off the shackles, come follow me, I'm going to transform you into a new creation. Uh, I think the the last verse that really stood out to me as we were thinking through this was in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It's verses 1 through 3, and I always read verses, uh, I always read this portion of Scripture to all of our graduating seniors as they uh, if they'll come to my house for a, a, a goodbye dinner, I read this passage to them and just talk through this with them. It says, finally, then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you're doing, that you do so more and more. Uh, so you know what instruction we gave you through the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. He goes on to talk about that you abstain from sexual immorality, that you learn how to control your own body in holiness and honor. Um, but I, but I use that particular passage because at, at one level with our college students who are graduating, and I want to make sure, okay, you've walked with Christ in college. Make sure as you transition to this next phase of life that you continue to think that way. But as I mentioned to you offline, the one the one and only time I was ever asked to do a baccalaureate service for a high school, <laughs> this was beautiful. Um, they didn't really know this guy, so they invited me as a new pastor in town to come and do the baccalaureate service. And many of the students that I was speaking to had been told by their parents, okay, you're transitioning from high school, now's your opportunity to go and sow your wild oats. Um, and and uh, listen, I think if, you're not, if you don't know Christ, that would be the only life that you would be hoping for. Great, I'm going to sow my wild oats. That would be the, the epitome of joy. Um, but the way the Bible speaks about um, <laughs> what we would call our wild oats is, is that they're actually sins that that don't have the capacity to just we can't just toy with them like we would a football in the front yard uh, these are sins that actually have claws and teeth and so when we when we dabble in um, alcohol and drug use and sexual immorality of all kinds those things are digging deeply claws into our flesh um, and they want to control us and they want to own us um, and so I think it's important to recognize that this concept of being a new creation, is not a it's not a pattern for really unusual Christians who just for some reason take it seriously. It's actually the only biblical pattern for a Christian. So the reality is that um, for those who say, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm going to worry about holiness later, you, we probably need to say the Bible actually doesn't have a category for that. In fact, what the Bible would tell you is if you're not compelled to be different, to be transformed from your sin, you probably are not a Christian. That's what the Bible would say, right? 
So what, what, give me some thoughts on that. No, that was um, that was great. It, it reminded me kind of a couple things. Um, as you're speaking about First Thessalonians and Colossians and how the Bible kind of lays out your salvation is in Christ, therefore. Um, it reminded me about Ephesians 2 where God says, you know, even though you were in your sin, Christ has come to save you. Mm-hmm. And then he says in verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, yep. which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's right. Um, I just think that's so important to note because this isn't just like a couple verses here and there, mm-hmm. even though that is enough power to to, mm-hmm. to control our conscience in this. But mm. it's repetitive all over Paul's writing. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's just classic Paul. So you, it tells you that <laughs> the guy who writes the vast majority of the New Testament under the inspired will of God through the Holy Spirit, that guy would say, well, the gospel always transforms. Um, And, you know, you can simply walk through the New Testament and see this over and over again. And so I think it's a it's a fact that our that I would want our listeners to hear. Um, But but we should I do want to provide one slight caveat so that no one hears. I had a professor in seminary who would say, so no one hears what I'm not saying. Okay. I'm not saying get your heart right, um, and then God will love you. I'm saying if the Lord has indeed transformed you by grace, you do not get to stay there. Um, It's actually a summons to be transformed. So um, uh, you don't have to drive down too many backwoods in the state of Alabama to see a church with a road sign that says it's time to get right with Jesus or something like that. Um, to be blunt, it's always the right time to get right with Jesus, but, but, uh, get right with Jesus doesn't mean I start, okay, I think I'm just going to try to quit sinning. What it means is I got to genuinely repent, um, because the salvation is simply found in Christ by virtue of me going, I hate my sin and I want to be different. I want to follow Christ. Um, however, if the Holy Spirit is moving in you and you feel conviction in that regard, you should embrace it and run after every ounce of conviction that the Spirit gives you. So so we, we, we've done this general explanation of this false gospel. We've kind of explained what I think is an important fact to remember, and that is uh, the Bible has no category for this kind of false gospel. But then uh, it would be important for us to mention the two warnings that you alluded to at the start of our podcast. And the first of those uh, is that you aren't guaranteed tomorrow. Uh, Jesus tells a parable, of course, you remember, um, of the the rich man who's so excited about the wealth he's building, but gosh, he's got too much, so he needs to go ahead and build another barn um, to hold it all. And, uh, and, And Jesus is using that to speak to the issue of greed and the heart of really counting all your treasure here. But he just simply says, uh, fool, you're, you, you don't know. Uh, what tomorrow will be. Your your life is demanded of you tonight. Um, and the fact is, that's the nature of our existence. So there's been countless um, students or adults who would make that kind of commitment to themselves in the back of their head. I'm a Christian, meaning, and to, to them, they might be thinking, I'm a pretty good guy. Later on, I'll become an even better guy or girl. Um, but the heart of what we should say by way of warning is simply this. Um, the Bible says you're actually not a good guy. You're not a good girl in, in and of yourself. The wages of sin is death. Um, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's telling us that, that we are separated from God. Um, 
And so the, the warning is this, because you're not guaranteed tomorrow, we should not live as though tomorrow is the time in which we will suddenly begin to be transformed. Um, that's the starting point. You had a couple of Ryle quotes I think are worth mentioning here. Uh, yes. Uh, the first one, he says, I will worry about serious things tomorrow, said an unsaved person, to one who warned him of coming danger. But his tomorrow never came. Mm. Tomorrow is the devil's day, but today is God's. Mm. Um, and then the next uh, quote, which I thought was really good, it says, Do you think that you will have a more convenient time to think about these things? The road to hell is paved with such ideas. Leave nothing unsettled that is eternal. Mm. And what Remind our people what, what book that comes from. Uh, that comes from his book, Thoughts for Young Men. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, the nature of, of uh, exactly what we're offering to our podcast listeners is really thoughts that uh, Ryle has said um, more than 150 years ago, I guess. Um, his point is, is so clear and profound. It is an arrogant thought to presume that I've got, I've got utter and complete guarantee about today, and I've got utter and complete guarantee about tomorrow. Um, it's, a, it's an important warning. And, and to be blunt, and this is not to be morbid, but um, there's countless people who lose uh, their life in these very important years of college. And they lose them because accidents happen in a real world. Um, it, it doesn't mean it's going to happen, right? Um, but there's also people who lose their lives as adults. Um, and there's, um, there is in this warning a kind of um, acknowledgement that if I, if I kick my uh, desire to take this seriously down the road, then tomorrow turns into another tomorrow, which turns into another tomorrow. And Ryle's point, today is actually the day where you should be thinking about these things very seriously. The second warning I think we need to make here goes along with another uh, concept that Ryle's going to mention too, and that is, um, you said this earlier, you know, we're actually not guaranteed to want to pursue Christ tomorrow. Um, so the presumption that people are making in, in this, and you and I talked about this offline, is that, you know, they presume if I'm generally a good person, then maybe I'll want to be a, an even better person later on. Uh, that person who just thinks they're a good person is uh, is deluding themselves. All of us are not, you know, but in God's eyes, we're we're uh, unlovely. We're filthy. We're we're sinners that are that are uh, outside of God's um, outside of the love of God, except for His desire to save us through grace and to offer salvation. But our actions are not pleasing to the Lord apart from Christ. And so, um, I think what this the warning that I want to give to people here is that it is a presumption that sin is something that we can just kind of toy with and it'll not matter so much. And so um, I'm, I'm generally a Christian today, but I'm going to toy with or sow these wild oats that I want to sow. And my presumption in that, and this is what's so wrong, is that there is no natural consequence to sin. Um, in the course of my ministry, uh, it just doesn't take much. I've just had tons of occasions where I can go, well, that person right there uh, who got themselves into serious adultery down the road uh, did not begin by going, you know what I want to do? I want to get myself into serious adultery down the road. They began years ago making decisions and choices along the way that shaped that. More than that, um, 
people with alcohol and drug abuse problems that I've, I've seen over the years. It's the same thing. The Bible says that sin has a hardening effect on our hearts, um, that, that it has an ongoing ability to make us more and more blind to who we are. So if this is the second warning, number one is you, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Number two is you're really not guaranteed that you're going to want it tomorrow. Um, and so throughout this, the first great awakening as the gospel was being preached in, in the um, parts of our country where the awakening really uh, exploded, there was always a summons from men like Jonathan Edwards that, that if you feel today a prompting of the Holy Spirit by virtue of God's word being preached, then you should move forward today because today the gate of God's mercy is wide open. And and if you if you should neglect it until tomorrow, the nature of sin is that you may not actually want it tomorrow. Um, so there's always this sense in which uh, we should move forward by virtue of any prompting of the Holy Spirit that God gives us where our sins are, are laid before us, where the Bible convicts us and teaches us. Um, so those would be the two warnings, right? We've got, um, we've got, you're not guaranteed tomorrow, and then secondly, you're not guaranteed to want it tomorrow. Yeah, and uh, I was just kind of thinking of a practical, um, just a, a, or like all these students that are listening to this podcast, something they would kind of see and recognize. Um, and in my head, I'm like, class, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're in a class and we don't <laughs> give any effort at the beginning, and we don't, um, we just say we'll go to class later on, mm-hmm. we'll uh, we'll study later on. Not only uh, will that later on be much more difficult, mm-hmm. um, but we will have less and less of a desire to do so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because the pile is bigger and bigger, isn't it? Yeah, you had a you had a quote I think on from Raul on this point as well, which I thought was just profound. Um, he says, "Young men, do not be deceived. Don't think you can at will serve lusts and pleasures in your beginning, and then go and serve God with ease at your latter end." Don't think that you can live with Esau and then die with Jacob. Mm. Well, I think I think that's the uh, that's a very very heavy passage. Uh, it's a it's a great comment that he makes and a really good reminder. Uh, we're told in the Bible that at the end of his life, Esau sought repentance with tears, but he but he wasn't able to ever repent, uh, and that's. That's a dire warning, and and so Ryle is is picking up on that to say, um, it's it's just not possible to live uh, for the flesh, which is how Esau is described. He lives his life for the sake of the flesh. It's not possible to do that, and then suddenly to wake up and go, okay, now I think I would like to serve the Spirit. I've served my flesh the entire the entirety of my life. Um, these are these are good warnings. They're really really helpful. I do think there's some uh, some weight to this, um, not just for those who are, um, not just for those who might, who we might say, well, I think you might be deluding yourself, right? They might be saying I'm a Christian, but they're living in a really wild way. This is also a good warning for every believer. Um, every believer recognizes that as as Jesus said he would do, he's given us his Holy Spirit. And uh, the New Testament goes on to, to warn us not to be those who would, um, who would shut our ears to the Spirit uh, or quench the Holy Spirit as the Spirit is, is prompting us concerning sin or conviction or other things, but that we should live our lives in such a way that we're tender to the Spirit. Um, so even for Eric, you know, I wake up today and um, my heart and mind might be distracted by many things, right? Um, 
but but if I'm going to take this lesson from this false gospel as a 48-year-old man, I need to take it like this. I am a believer, and therefore, because I'm a believer, today is a new opportunity for me to continue to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and to seek to grow in Christ so that I'm not the same person tomorrow as I was today, but I'm more transformed. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. It's well said. Yeah. Any other thoughts before we go? Uh, no other thoughts. Thank you so much for just walking us through this false gospel and especially over this series of mm. things we would see in Auburn. I think it's an important, an important lesson. Thanks so much for doing this, Will. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening.